Come on, Wendy, we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss what? Paris Hilton is making an appearance at the mall. Who's Paris Hilton? Who's Paris Hilton? You don't know. Hello, everyone. The Guest Clothing Company is pleased to have as its new spokesperson and model a woman all you young ones can look up to, Miss Paris Hilton. What does she do? She's totally spoiled and snobby. What does she do? She's a whore. Hey everyone, sorry if I'm a little spent. I did a whole lot of partying last night with a lot of different guys. <laughs> anyway, I'm pleased to be here in Gauthdark to announce the opening of my brand new store. A store where girls can buy everything they need to be just like me. Stupid spoiled whore. <laughs> Have fun, girls, and remember to party and be super lame to everybody. Bye! Give me that! Fucking Christ, I need a drink. Where's my dog? Wow, look at all this great stuff! Stupid spoiled whore clothes! Stupid spoiled whore dolls! Hey, check it out! The new Paris Hilton perfume, Skank! Skank! Oh yeah, let's get lots of that! You guys, don't buy this stuff! Why do you want to be like Paris Hilton? It's not just Paris! Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Tara Reid, they're all stupid spoiled whores! But the idea that we'll be whorish for money is belittling to our gender! Wendy, get a clue! The only thing more important than being rich is being famous! Wow, you really sound like a dumb rat, baby! Thanks, Annie! God, get me out of this hick town! What a bunch of rednecks! Everybody's so fucking lame! Except for you, my little Tinkerbell. You love me very much, don't you? How much you love me? I'm gonna dress you up like a bunny, and then I'm gonna dress you up like a little princess. You're mine forever. Whatever. Oh, hey, Gacy. Oh, another stupid store opening in some lame cowboy town. Oh, it's so freaking stupid. This whole town stinks like cows. I can't wait to get out of here. Grody. They have the lamest stores, too. I'm gonna go to Rome for the weekend, I think. I don't know, Rome or Tokyo. Either way, it'll be totally boring. Stupid. <laughs> I need to get wasted. I haven't had a drink in like 14 minutes. Why is everybody so stupid anyway? I flashed all these hicks in my boobs. You should have seen the look on their faces, stupid redneck idiot. Oh dear. This podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60 minute time limit coming out of the black corner at a combined weight of 666 pounds recorded to you from the slums of SoFi Stadium. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is I'm Bobby V, the five star podcasting machine. And once again, we're bringing you another edition of the WrestleOcalypse. It is upon us. It is upon us indeed. We are 
coming to you post Super Bowl. We're going to have a lot of that going in the second half. But for right now, we're going to just jump into our top five. Well, top four this week, but it's very full. So let's get into it. Yeah, um, man, right off the bat, Hangman Page's title run continues. And they just seem to get bloodier and bloodier and bloodier as we go. The bumps get heavier and harder as we go. And uh, I was just like kind of taken aback by that match with Lance Archer, the murder hawk. Yeah, dude. it's It's been quite a very uh, hard-hitting title reign for Hangman Page so far. And I'm not complaining. The matches have been fantastic. And this match with... Lance Archer is keeps up with it. It's just, it was like hit after hit. I stopped what I was doing to watch the whole thing. And I thought it was a great match. Yeah. I thought it was Lance Archer's best match at AEW that I've seen. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hangman made him look good. Lance Archer did good in his role as a bruiser. And it was just, it went back and forth. It's kind of, I saw that you put, he's in a tough spot and I get it because he came back with a loss and he just keeps losing, but I don't see him like really losing any momentum because he doesn't have any, but I don't know what they're, they're going to do with them because so your question, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Yeah. He's just stuck in mud and it's like, I think he gets good reactions and I think the crowd likes him and he's certainly like a, an impressive uh, presence. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, in the ring, but it's like even with Jake the Snake, it's like I don't, I don't know. He's just stuck in mud, you know. Yeah, he. They put him in a rough spot here because, yeah, it was a big, it was a tall mountain for Hangman to climb, you know, hypothetically. But he, we knew that he wasn't gonna Archer wasn't gonna win the match, so that just puts him in a weird spot. And we know that we don't want Hangman just going into matches, going, uh, picking up easy wins, but it's just, they're kind of like doing some WWE type stuff, just booking themselves in corners. While it was a great match, it kind of, you kind of have to still build people up at the same time. Yeah. And the food, the feud happened pretty quickly. Right. Um, and obviously they gave it away on free TV. It was a Texas style death match. Uh, I did like that. I liked how they took, how they took the top rope off to try to mitigate, um, the buckshot lariat, but thanks to Hangman's clever millennial mind, he was able to utilize the referee to to get that um, to get that finisher applied. Yeah, wasn't that great? What a great! I loved it. Way. That was just genius right there. Because you know they thought they took it away, like you said, and he just uh, adapted. I thought that was perfect. Yeah, and I think like I just want to make sure every all the listeners are clear. Like I thought it was a great match. I'm not shitting on it by any means. I thought Archer did great. I just like in our discussion, just thinking about kind of where they go from here. I mean, I feel like they're going to do the same fucking thing where they are going to have hangman come out at the beginning of dynamite. And then somebody's going to challenge him and we're going to have like a three week program and then another title defense. And I think they need to get off that carousel a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, I think they should lay off the title defenses for now and just start building up a feud that's going to go on to a pay-per-view that, you know, could be even better. But I agree with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought I, I thought overall, I thought it was really good. And, uh, you know, they they 
it was the it was the main event main event so it ended the show and i thought it did so well um <clears throat> but uh we didn't quite have the twists and the turns that another wrestling promotion gave us for the after their main event uh this last week right we finally had what we've been calling that's been going to happen richard holiday finally turns on hammerstone and I knew we all knew this was going to happen, but I just didn't know that it was going to be this quick. And with Alicia Toot, um, with Ham, um, Holiday. So that sets up something because now we have Holiday, Fatu, and then there's a third one that's um, Davy Richards that wants to come after him. So we kind of have a Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six type of deal on our boy Hammerstone, which is cool because he's going to have th- people coming from all sides of him. And his title reign, I wouldn't say it's been sputtering, but it's been kind of like in neutral. So this should pick things up. And I mean, all three of these matches that he's going to eventually have are going to be great. So, I mean, MLW is setting the table perfectly. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of a lot of good uh, matches uh, set up for Hammerstone moving forward, and really that's what they need, right? They they have <clears throat> Hammerstone and Fatu under these kind of long term contracts as their top of the card guys. So I assume we're going to circle back around and get Hammerstone and Fatu again, um, and that's one of the cool things is they can kind of work their way back toward another match, but in their kind of their own separate storylines, you know, like we still have this thing with Contra kind of with Fatu and then Hammerstone. Now he's going to be dealing with this betrayal of Richard holiday. And I love Richard holiday as this like slimy heelish character with his AirPods, And right. just like, he was so funny when he had that barrio match with like, um, <clears throat> Pagano. And he's like, what is even a barrio? Like, what am I even supposed to do? Just like the whole thing was just really funny. Yeah. Like he's, that. he's a great heel and we all know, and it doesn't take anything away from the storyline nobody was buying him as a legit baby face. It was just, they were, they were by association because they were both in dynasty with MJF, but we knew it was going to happen. And just because we know things are going to happen, doesn't mean that they're not going to be good. Cause now with his heater, He's got nothing that, that doesn't get enough heat, but he's got another heater with Alicia Toot. And that throws a whole nother wrench in the system because she's always been like baby face slash neutral when she was doing announcing. And now she's doing, running a different character. So this will be interesting to see how they pull this off. Yeah, it will be, but I'm sure it'll be good. I mean, cause the nice thing about it is they don't have to, they don't have to fill 17 different pay-per-views and different storylines. It's just, they're going to work toward these like, these matches and I think it'll be really good. Yeah. And so that's awesome. You know, MLW always leaving you hanging and that was a great um, season premiere of fusion. So it's cool to be back that they're going to be doing this and we're going to get things moving along. Very exciting. Yeah. And I mean, they've still have a lot of other odds and ends going on um, with their uh, other, with the rest of their um, roster. I mean, even just on, on this last one, uh, you know, they have King Mortis is still is still they've just got like all these different uh, storylines still, I- including with um, like the entire roster. Really, you still got Los Parks. You still have just, you know, I feel like there's a lot of ways they can go. 
And I didn't, I did like whatever happened with the, uh, I'm trying to find it. What happened with the Von Erics? I think they, I'm just saying they have, I was agreeing with you that with like all the legs that they have, but I heard that they caught COVID. I might, might've been reading something else, but I, cause they were supposed to fight. Aren't they supposed to fight LAX or whatever they're being 5150? 5150. Yeah. So, and that's one of the problems I do have though, a little bit sometimes with MLW is if you get the spoilers, they'll give you spoilers from tapings that the shows haven't, haven't actually aired yet. Yeah. That's why I try not to pay attention to too many of those because they'll give out results that things haven't, that aren't going to be on our eyeballs for like a couple of weeks. So right. I try not, I just try not to stay straight, stay straight from those. But sometimes it's hard. No, I know. Yeah. But, um, and they've anyway. got the EJ and Duca who they're definitely uh, building him up to be quite the, uh, the powerhouse. Yeah, I get it. He's a big dude, you know, ex-football player. He's still pretty green. Like, a lot of his matches, if he's not squashing someone, are pretty clunky. And he only kind of looks good when he's in a tag team affair. But I'm willing to have patience and give him the time to, you know, find his footing. Because I think if he his ceiling's pretty high. Because they do need some bigger guys besides... Um, Mance Kruger and the other guys that they have on the undercard. So I'm cool. I'm, I'm willing to wait and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, they're really trying to sell his kind of his NFL pedigree and crossover appeal, I guess. But I mean, he shows, he shows pretty good skill in the ring. He's obviously a good athlete. So yeah, he'll adapt quick. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. So MLW always leaving us hanging. But they've got a lot of cards uh, ready to throw down, so I'm excited about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then the the by far the best feud in WWE universe. We have to acknowledge. It's oh yeah, absolutely. The Alfie yeah. Academy, and RK Bro. Oh, it's hilarious! Like out of the ring, entertaining. Inside the ring, entertaining. Promos entertaining like you would think that when you see the pr- the promo of them having a quiz bowl on on wwe show you're just like gonna groan and be like oh shit here we go but honestly that's one of the most most entertaining things i've seen on raw in a long long time it was hilarious yeah it um just like and then the the nuance of us it's kind of like they're built we're all waiting for randy orton and riddle right to break up and yet they continue to like string us along and now like it seems like randy orton's smiling he's joking around it seems like riddle has really rubbed off on him a little bit but in the end i mean he's gonna i mean we know what's gonna happen but I'm enjoying this ride because I was reading some behind the scenes stuff and apparently it was supposed to be a one-off thing and Orton and wasn't expecting the reaction that they were going to get. And so he went to bat and said to keep them in for kind of like the longer haul, 
which I think is great because that tag team's got legs. And like I said, the in and out of the ring, they're way inter- so entertaining. And Chad Gable and Otis are a great team. Chad Gable's facial expressions, his um, snarkiness to the crowd. It's just, it's very good. Like he plays the condescending role very well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, you know, Riddle came out earlier in the show with a toga and he's super over the crowd loves his antics. Yeah. And I'm glad he's in elimination chamber and I'm glad he's getting this push because you know how WWE loves the MMA guys and stuff like that. And Riddle's one of them and he's a legit badass. So if he can like keep moving up the card and kind of, you know, the, his Jeff Spicoli role is always going to be there. I think that's part of his charm, but you know, he can go in the ring and it's awesome. Like, so I hope to see him just constantly moving up. And I hope when him and Orton eventually feud that riddle comes out on top, because there's no reason for Orton to come on out on top of this feud. And I'm sure Orton knows that himself. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. It doesn't seem like Orton's really throwing a bunch of weight backstage and like forcing himself into any sort of like championship title feuds or programs. I think he's enjoying yeah. what he's and doing. And I don't think he was ever like one to do that. Like he threw his fits backstage, but he never kind of flexed from what I've known or read. So he's not like what people seem to know about what Triple H has done in the past or, you know, Shawn Michaels or people of that sort brother yeah right exactly exactly um so i guess we only had four but i guess we'll throw um this one in i'm just to fill it out but i thought it was interesting it almost seems like some people have been listening to the podcast but uh they certainly made uh rhea ripley and bianca belair look good on raw i don't know if you caught that i didn't catch that no fill me in yeah, so they basically ended up having kind of like this gauntlet match where Rhea Ripley starts against Nikki A.S.H. And she beats her. Then comes Liv Morgan. She beats her. Then comes Dewdrop out. She beats her. And finally, Bianca Belair comes out. Uh, they have a really good finish to this, you know, gauntlet match thing with Belair going over. Oh. Um but like it was finally making Ripley look like the badass that she was that we thought she'd be when she came up from NXT. And I think it's the first time I've seen Bianca Belair win a match in like weeks. Well, good. You know? That's good news. I, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. So it was pretty good. And then obviously Rip- Ripley's a, she's a big lady, man, and she's definitely physical. So she was able to get kind of a lot of that going uh, she got the riptide to beat Nikki, um, super kick, then a riptide to beat Liv Morgan, the dewdrop one, you know, dewdrop got, had some good offense. Um, but again, she gets the riptide on dewdrop to get him. So it was just like, it was really good. Um, we don't say that often anymore with WWE and their women's program as we'll get to in the mailbag. Right. Right. And then to round this out, this is actually a pretty big one. Surprising, even this very surprising. Our resident super babyface anti hero is gone from AEW along with his wife. Like that, I saw it. You know what happened? I came home today and I turned on the TV and I follow WrestleMania. That's a plug. And they usually like 
condense the news of what's happening in wrestling. And I just saw in the headline that Cody Rhodes is gone going to going back to WWE. So I went to my other source and I and it confirmed it. And that was just that's just been the news of the day. And I guess what we've been talking about in past episodes of the rumblings between him, the Bucks and Omega seems like they're true. And what they're saying, they couldn't come to a deal, something, all this other stuff and him, they're gone. Yeah, I, I hadn't read that he it was a sure thing that he was going to go back to WWE, but um, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of egos in the room. I'm surprised we didn't. I felt like Cody Rhodes was going to be at re-signed with AEW with all of the shows he's has on T he's involved with on, you know, on the TNT and such, but, but Hey, it's not the first time he's left a large organization. He asked out of WWE in the first place. So it'll be interested to interesting to see kind of what they cook up for him. But the uh, thing is he was one of the more intriguing um, things going on in AEW with the crowd shitting on him and him, there was something in the works that was going on there. And I just feel if he goes back to WWE, yeah, he's going to get a check, but like, he's not going to be where he was at in AEW and WWE. I, at least I don't think so because they don't like when you leave and all the bashing he did to WWE when he was gone. And then he's going to just come back and, He's going to get, I don't know, just from the way I've seen it and how the way history plays out, he's going to get jobbed out. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's like, do you need the paycheck? Like, Yeah, it's like how much, I, I just want to know if he was getting lowballed, how much, I just want to know and hear a number. And yeah. obviously, <laughs> if WWE matches that, which I don't, I don't see them doing because they've been releasing so many people and there's heat there. So I don't see how this is all going to work out. Yeah. And I can't really see them being as patient with Brandy Rhodes as in the ring as AEW was. Oh, for sure. And I don't even know if Brandy Rhodes is like a lock to be there. They might, they won't pick her up. Sure. And so I just, I'm intrigued and confused by the whole thing because I'm we're Cody Rhodes fans. Yeah, I mean, we've you've dubbed him the super babyface anti-hero, which is great. We got but and I liked his difference in AEW. He was a different wrestler, he wrestled different, and he brought something else. And I just it's kind of I'm kind of sad about it because I like I enjoyed watching him, unlike you'll unlike other people on the Twitterverse. People like to bag on him and make fun of him. I'm a, I'm a big fan. So I just don't know how this is going to go in the direction that he hopes to. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll just have to sit back and wait and find and see how it goes. But I agree with you. Very surprising. I uh, didn't expect it. Um, like you said, the way history plays out, I don't expect him to be, you know, he's not going to be the one who takes the title off of reigns. Oh, like, hell no. <laughs> but I mean, hell no. Stranger things have happened, I guess. Uh, there we go. Otis did win money in the bank. Don't That's forget. true. That's true. So, well, I guess we'll just see. But um, moving on to our odds and ends, we've got a few interesting ones for you guys right now. Yeah, it's pretty AEW heavy. So let's start with the WWE odd or end. Um, man, Santos Escobar 
Is he the second coming of Eddie Guerrero? Yeah, yeah, man, because I've just been watching this guy. I've watched him back in the, like, you know, when he had the mask, when he was uh, E-Hill de Fantasma. And he's just coming to his own come, since coming to NXT, the unmasking. He's great on the mic. He's got charisma. I love this feud that he has with Braun Breaker going on. And I just think that this is the guy they've been trying to look for. I mean, they've always been trying to find their new Mexican export since Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. We saw them try to do it with Alberto Del Rio. We saw them try to do it with other people. And they just quite couldn't uh, hit the nail on the head. But in my opinion, I think Escobar is the guy, you know, if, if they bring him up to the main roster. And this guy, he's got a high, in my opinion, he's got a high ceiling. And they, if they work this right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I wonder how they write this, that he looks strong. Cause I don't think he's going to be Braun Breaker. No, no. Um, but I think that, you know, I kind of feel like he's really what they want. Like Andrade to be, I guess. Like, they did. They did. And it's just Andrade with the language barrier, couldn't cut the promos that they wanted. Like, so, but with Santos, he can cut a promo. I can sit there and listen to him talk. He's good. Like his English is great. And I understand how they want, you know, some of these guys cutting promos because you can't sell tickets if people can't understand what you're saying. And we know in America, Americans like to speak American. So they, I think Santos Escobar is that perfect bridge on the gap with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they've got a good thing going. And I think uh, if they can maybe extend this feud with Braun Breaker, it's just only going to serve to make uh, make him look even better. You know, get him that top of the card main event experience and see what he can do and see how the crowd's really going to react to him. Although, you know, the NXT crowd is a bit snarky. Yeah, they're different. And, you know, with guy, and we have to remember as good as Escobar is. Those are big shoes to fill if you're talking about Guerrero or Mysterio. And, you know, of course, Mysterio had the, I mean, Escobar can go high flying too, but Mysterio has the mask. He's got the bright colors and all that stuff. And then Guerrero is just Guerrero. So it'll be interesting to see how they pump this guy, but I think he can be great. Like, you know, keep him as he is right now and seeing how the crowd reacts. Maybe he can make that baby face turn, but we're talking way down the line here. Yeah, way down the line, way down the line. But I mean, at least we're already thinking about where his character could go, which is more than I can say about most of the people on that promotion. Exactly. Um, so I guess the question that I have, and obviously, certainly it's changed now that he has one less wrestler on his roster in one Cody Rhodes. But like, how many wrestlers are too many wrestlers for a promotion? I think Tony Khan is trying to find that answer. Because yeah. it's like they've got Rampage, Dynamite, Elevation, Dark. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who is actually on their roster at any given time, who they've picked up, who's coming through the Forbidden Door, but who's actually a new signing. We just got Keith Lee. Right. Jay White's making appearances. It's like at some point, man, you just got to kind of like settle your roster in a little bit and like have some shows. I agree with that. And I'm not mad at the Keith Lee signing, but I think we're going to see Tony Khan cleaning some house when some of these contracts come up, you know, like your Joey Janela's and Sonny Kisses and, um, you know, Marcus, Avalon, I think Peter, Marco Stunts. 
we're going to see all those guys going and, you know, they're going to keep their dark guys on dark. But as far as the guys that we saw in its infancy, I think a lot of them are going to be gone. And so, which is fine because, you know, the roster is very bloated right now. And if they're going to keep this forbidden door thing going, it just, yeah, you just need to get rid of some of these people. Like, and a lot of these guys, like we've said at the beginning, we're not really TV ready and it showed. So it's time to, you know, the guys like Peter Avalon and Marco Stunt, while they're entertaining, those aren't really guys that people want to see. I mean, and people, I like that Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are there and Keith, now Keith Lee and everybody else because these guys know how to work in front of a camera and they know how to cut promos. So I think hopefully I'm right. And I think Tony Khan is just waiting until these contracts to go and then he can just start, you know, cutting some, trimming the fat, as we like to say. Yeah, and they definitely need to trim it out. Um, but, you know, I mean, and then, it kind of goes into the next one is like, we're also going to be bringing back one of the great top five wrestlers in the planet this year. That's right. You know, the five star bout machine is healing up and like what you put here, because what's going to be interesting where they plug him back in because, you know, he left as the leader of the super elite. And then now we have Adam Cole. And I think what's going to happen is Adam Cole is going to end up, you know, teaming up with Fish and O'Reilly and, you know, the Bucks. I don't see how the Bucks come back to being baby faces after this run, though, because they are just so annoying and insufferable. And they're doing their job because I root for the Bucks no matter what. But this one, I just like, I was like, God, I just want to see them get an ass kicking. And them always going over the best friends is like frustrating because I want to see these guys get their comeuppance. And it's been a long time since I've been rooting for like someone to get their comeuppance and see them get it. So hopefully that's the thing. And Omega comes back because that'll be a good feud between the six of them if that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the way they're writing it now. You know, I mean, it's crazy how I really feel like Brian Danielson is kind of like assumed the Kenny Omega role in the storyline, you know, like and kind of the dominant talent. Right. 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 In in AEW right now, even though I mean Hangman Page is the champion and a deserving one and, and having a good run, but I mean I feel like they're dedicating more time to Brian Danielson's recruitment of John Moxley and what he's doing, then what's going on with Hangman Page right now, which is probably because Hangman Page has to fucking heal up after every time they put him out there for a match. Yeah, seriously. He's just like seeping pints of blood every match. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you <laughs> that cuts into recovery time because both of those guys were bleeding like stuck pigs in that match. So, well, yeah, I mean, and it was like, and and Hangman Page was getting it the hard way, even just on their little skirmishes on the lead up to this thing. That's true. That's true. Getting the blackout on that chair. I was like, dude, my God, he's, this guy's body's made of steel. Yeah. So, um, but that's what's going to be interesting is where they where he fits in. You got Moxley coming back. Obviously, a lot of heat going for that with the possible teaming up with Brian Danielson. You've got just all of these different storylines and moving parts going on. And so it'll be interesting to see when they bring him back, when he's ready to go. Uh, but I agree. I think definitely um, Omega and the young books versus undisputed would be highly, highly entertaining. Right. 
And speaking of stories to round this whole thing out, we're seeing the downfall of the inner circle continue. They had um, kind of a powwow in the middle of the ring last Wednesday with Santana and Ortiz. Sammy Guevara walks uh, walks out, seemingly quits again. But um, Santana cut a great promo. Like I didn't realize how good on the mic he was until last Wednesday. And I thought it was fantastic. A lot of the stuff he was saying is true. Like the inner circle was built to serve Chris Jericho and, you know, where was their stuff? And they're almost kind of like the de facto baby faces in this. And the crowd agreed with it because we all know Chris Jericho only looks out for Chris Jericho. So it's interesting that they're breaking away and Jericho's a face right now, but, I, in my, how it's written, it seems like 51 or not, not 5150 LAX are the faces. And I like how Jericho had bit a callback to see if he could call up homicide and Hernandez. I thought it was a great promo by both sides. Like Jericho's always good. And that match is going to be good Wednesday with Santana Ortiz versus Jericho and Hager. Yeah, I agree. And I think that Santana and Ortiz should go over. Absolutely. There's no way in hell that it should be booked any differently. Santana and Ortiz are overdue for a tag team title run. And you can quote me. I've said this in past episodes. Put it in. The, go back into the archives. They will be the ones to take down Jurassic Express. Yeah, because the ass boys certainly couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that's done with because I'm not impressed one bit by the ass boys. <laughs> me, either. me either. And uh, well... I think on that note, we're going to take a quick powder, move on from the wrestling heavy first half into the just, I would have to say, uh, tour de force of popular culture that we call cool shit. Boom. All right, listen to this sweet tune. We'll be back in a second. Once again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, the Dark Lord's favorite segment, and Matthew Stafford's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? We like to call it cool shit, even colder than Joe Burrows. That's right. We'll get to that. We always start with the motherfucking mailbag, and we have got some heat on this one. Dude. These I just did, did. Did Joy deliver this personally? I know these motherfucking people. So let's get into let's this. Let's get into these fuckers. Meltzer's source. Mm. Already mm. a bad start. Yeah, suspect it. Suspect it best. As we're heading into WrestleMania season, it looks like Rousey versus Charlotte is set. I just want to know 
What's with the Ronda Rousey hate from you guys? She's a bigger star than anyone on the roster, and she'll elevate the division, something that you guys claim is needed. All right. There's a lot to unpack on this one. Yes, she is a bigger star than anyone because she is a ex-UFC person. So, duh. And in other news, water's wet. Um, she's not going to elevate the division because what's going to happen is she's going to knock off Charlotte, the best wrestler in the division, according to WWE, bringing the rest of the division down because they couldn't beat her. Yes, the elevation of the division is needed, but Rousey is not going to be the one to do it. And the thing is, I don't know her personally, so I do not hate her. I Do I think she has thin skin and needs to toughen up? Yes. Do I think she needs to cut better promos? Yes. Do I think she should be coming in and taking titles? Absolutely not. So that's the reason why the quote hate for Ronda Rousey is with me. I don't know, Bobby, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree that she is the biggest star, a bigger star. I mean, she gets she like it's like cross promotional nonsense. Right. Um, She's a bigger household name, but like that's what they want. They they can't. For some reason, they can't push their own stars like I don't I'm not the biggest Charlotte uh, Flair fan, but if they prompt her right, she can make appearances and do stuff like I hopefully she doesn't talk monotone because I've seen her in other interviews. She's fine, but they can do that with their stars. They just choose not to do it. Yeah, and I think with the way so one, I think I would premise this to two things like one, they were in control of when they weren't. They're not in control with injuries and they've lost a bunch of women have been out who are far superior wrestlers than Ronda Rousey, probably far superior wrestlers than Charlotte really, but at least maybe if not better wrestlers, far more entertaining as professional wrestlers. And I've been talking about like, we're missing Sasha Banks. We're missing Alexa bliss. We're missing Bailey, you know? And the other one is the things they did to themselves by poor booking and really taking the, the heat off of their talent. Like, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, you know, and I think that if they just so if if they reset after WrestleMania, even if Rousey goes over, I think the women's division will be in a better position getting that talent back because it's been so threadbare. We and plus, like, I I don't know if if Oscar's injured or, you know, there's just a lot of women we haven't been seeing. So um, that being said, again, it comes back to something we're going to talk a little bit about. The next question, it's bringing her back to beat Charlotte doesn't do anything to elevate the division. What it does is it maybe gets maybe gets the women's wrestling match in a better position during WrestleMania. Maybe it won't be the popcorn match. But other than that, they're not main eventing WrestleMania. No, this isn't Sasha Banks. Like, so have a little perspective on it. Meltzer's source, which you're not Meltzer's source because you're a buster. And it's and the thing is, just to end this, it's short sighted. Yeah, they're, it's going to it's going to make headlines that Rousey's at WrestleMania and stuff like that. But is she going to be uh, doing interview tours? Is she going to be making appearance with the title like they think she's going to? do? No, like she's just there to collect a check. Like it's like the thing is when The Rock came back to beat CM Punk, they're like, oh, he's going to take the title with him to promote his movies. He did not mention he did not bring the title with him one time to do interviews and he did not mention being the WWE champion nor did the people interviewing him. So all that bullshit is exactly what it is. It's bullshit. And like you said if they reset it, which I I'll, I'll believe when I see, then maybe we can have a different conversation, but until then, no. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also, no offense, but Ronda Rousey is not The Rock. Ronda Rousey is right. somebody people remember, but she's kind of just like she's got a small community of fans who like what she does. And I don't even know what she does. I think she's got a podcast. She cooks some shit or something like that. I don't yeah. even know. So moving on to uh, some more heat <laughs> from Emperor Tony, which we don't believe in, in the in, in the monarchy, Emperor Tony. But you guys seemed excited about Lita returning and getting a title match against Becky Lynch. So I just want to focus. We're going to focus on that first statement when we get back. But I went back and watched some of her matches, and I don't see what the hype is all about. She's slopping the ring and can't cut a decent promo. You guys claim you want newer stars pushed and don't want to see veterans taking the spotlight, yet you're all excited for Lita. You guys claim you're into work rate, but don't seem to mind it here. Which one is it? So first off, the whole question isn't you guys have said or you guys were quoted as saying, we are super excited about Lita returning. What they premise this whole thing is you guys seemed excited. So just pump the brakes on all of the rest of your question. So um, we do claim we always want newer stars pushed and we don't want to see veterans just coming in and taking the spotlight. And I don't think we are really excited about Lita versus Bex. No, I'm not. I liked seeing Lita back, but here's the thing where there's a lot of other things that I have to break down on, dissect on this question. The fact that you said you went back and watched some of her matches and you don't see what the hype is all about, that means you haven't been watching wrestling for that long. So granted, yes, Lita is not the best in-ring worker, but she has all the other attributes that make her a good talent. So yeah, I'm a work rate fan, but I'm not a work rate work, work rate first fan. Try saying that three times fast, because it's like we always talk about Roderick Strong. The guy's a technician, but he's as exciting as watching grass grow. So, and I like the Miz, who's not like a uh, who's not like a technician. So the thing is, I'm cool with seeing Lita back, but in a program with Becky Lynch in Saudi Arabia that we know that she's not going to win. No, I don't care to see that. I'll read the results. And while I was a big Lita fan, it's just like, yeah, she's coming back for a one-off and that's about it. Like, and hopefully the newer stars will get pushed. It's not like she's taking the title because you know damn right if she took the title from Bex that we'd have something to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Emperor Tony, I appreciate you sending the question in, uh, but do a little bit better research. Maybe go back into our archives. Brush up on your wrestling knowledge. Watch some of our matches of the week. Lots of which have a wide variety of work rates across a wide variety of eras and generations. And don't try to start and put words in our mouth with our questions. Right. Let's move and it on. Maybe if you want to check out a match, I'll throw you a bone here and check out the main event of Raw. I forget. You're going to have to look it up. But it's Lita versus Trish Stratus in the main event of Monday Night Raw. And that's where Lita almost breaks her neck. So before you have anything to say, go watch that. And I hope that's one of the ones you did. And if it is, then you need to have your eyes checked. So there you go. Yeah. Like this one is even worse. It's like they just keep, they keep getting coming. worse. Um, WWE Universe member. There's problem number one. Well, he's, you know, it's just good shit. Just good shit. <laughs> Such good shit. 
I know you guys touched on the Joe Rogan controversy last week about his use of the N-word, and Spotify has now removed those episodes. I feel like it's hypocritical of Spotify to take down Rogan's episodes and leave rap music up that constantly uses the word. Why is it okay for one group of people to use the word, but another group can't? All right, I'm, I'm not going to even touch this shit. I'm going to start this off because this is I fucking get really irritated by that fucking narrative right there. So here's the thing. I'm half black. I don't think anyone should use the word. Let's just start it off right off the bat. My dad's family from Washington, D.C. doesn't use the word. So just because a bunch of rappers use it makes everybody think that it's okay to use like, no, that's not right. So there's that. So just because they're using it, you want a free pass to go ahead and use it? No, Joe Rogan doesn't get a free pass either. And all the rappers that use it don't get a pass. So there's that. And um, the thing is, you know, there's a difference. I'm not, I'm not condoning it, but there's a difference between using the word in a song and then using it how Joe Rogan did, regardless of what he said was context or whatever like that. It's a difference. Because he was just dropping it, saying this and that and whatever, and just going off the rails with it. So it's not okay for anyone to use it. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, like, I just think it's a super loaded question. And I think that it's, I think you answered it quite well. All right, I'm done with that. Next. <clears throat> Some wrestling fan coming in to save the day save this mailbag some wrestling fan seriously this is very heated i really enjoyed your guys inside the ring on the internet and its effect on wrestling thank you finally an educated wrestling fan reaching out to us i was wondering if you guys would be interested in covering the rivalry between all japan and new japan pro wrestling i know you guys don't cover njpw too much with the exception of big happenings but i think that'd be cool for the listeners out there that don't know that much about these promotions you know what we usually don't take suggestions but i'm kind of intrigued by this one because i don't know too much about new japan or all japan because i just i started following new japan like more thoroughly when aj styles came in and the bullet club formed you know more with prince devitt and stuff like that so that's when i started following it like really closely and then I'd never, I don't know too much about all Japan. So I might have to take you up on that because it sounds pretty interesting and it'll be a nice little research dive for me to do. Cause we've been grasping at straws, trying to find some inside the ring. That's good for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And I think I were very interested. One of the problems is the time differences right? right. and the difficulty in, in actually getting to watch some of the content. So you rely a lot of um, recaps and a lot of the recaps also are translations, which make them awkward. Yes. You know, so but uh, we're going to I'm going to put that in the notebook. We'll see if we can work some of that in or at least work some segments that highlight the uh, the Japanese version of this pro wrestling thing that we like to talk about. Absolutely. And that does it for our mailbag. If you want to get after us, because this one was pretty heated and uh, 
You can get, catch me on Instagram. That's Xander Hobbs, X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-B-B-E-S. And then on the Twitter machine under the same name, Bobby, where can they find you? Uh, you can get at me at Wrestleocalypse on the Instagram. And all of these links are in the show notes as well as our music picks and a link to the 2022 Ballads of the Wrestleocalypse. So I just put that on today. It's great. It is good. The 2021 is very, very strong as well, though. That is true. We're going to top that. So moving along, this is a kind of bittersweet moment because this is the final segment of the ever so popular award-winning offsides and delay of game that Bobby so eloquently named. Yeah, offsides and delay of game and uh, it's over. The NFL season is over. In the books. So, um, in the books. What did you think about the Super Bowl? I mean, I thought it was a dramatic game in that it kind of came down to the end. I don't think it was an especially good game. I think that if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't get injured, the Rams beat the brakes off him. I think they, you know, I mean, at least, you know, we've seen big comebacks in recent Super Bowls, but, and Joe Burrow's, Joe Burr and all that stuff, but, I don't think with Odell Beckham Jr. And even without Odell Beckham Jr., we saw how good Cooper Cup is. Right. I think if you had both of those, the Bengals would have been in deep doo-doo. Um, yeah, I somewhat agree with that. Um, the game was good until the end when they just started throwing flags and they didn't throw any flags the whole game. Yeah, and, that was and, weird. And I know that the, some Rams fans out there, well, they, get, they got away with the face mask. It doesn't mean that you just start throwing tic-tac flags to make up for it at the end of the game. When you don't call a blatant offsides, when you don't call that off that fourth and one that Joe Burrow um, threw uh, incompletion, Aaron Donald was completely offsides or the false start when the Rams had the ball that was blatant. So I know that everybody wants LA to win and stuff like that, but that was a bigger work than WrestleMania. Give me a break. Yeah. And also the other thing is like, um, there's just a lot of poor play calling. Like, I don't think either it wasn't great coaching. And also, like, I don't know, man. You spend the Bengals spent the draft pick for that kicker. And from what I have heard in warm-ups for people who are out there, he was drilling them like 52 into the net. Like, so I understand, like, you worry, okay, you know, do you want to go to overtime? We saw what happened. You know, Chiefs get the – you can lose without ever touching the ball. But I felt like you do all that to get this kicker, and then you have Joe Burrows get sacked after a terrible play call before that um, instead of giving your kicker a chance to tie the game and, and, and you know, go to overtime. Right. Um, yeah, it's just – it was just a – way to top off a weird season and I'm still kind of bitter that the Dallas Cowboys were unceremoniously outed in the first round so I had that and all these fucking bitch ass bandwagon Rams marks like talking about whose house this is go to your own house like I I hate that phrase so uh, that's all I have to say about that yep so we'll see in in August when uh you know fantasy drafts and preseason comes back uh you know i'm not saying we won't see these teams again but um 
you know, they're going to have a tough road again. There's a lot of good, good teams that just barely missed out. Yeah. And I, and I hope, you know, the Rams should have won anyway, because they bought their fucking team. They should have just handed him the trophy because they just bought all their guys. So, you know, you'd hope that they would win. So hopefully we won't see the last of the Bengals because they're a young team and hopefully they iron out those kinks next season. Yeah, like getting some offensive linemen who can block. No, for sure. Like, granted, Aaron Donald and Von Miller are beasts, but still, those guys were just walking through that line. Yeah, I mean, and then the nine sacks that Joe Bros had to endure. Yeah. You know, it's like against the Titans. So, like, let's address that. For sure, for sure. I'm sure they see that, and hopefully they're listening to this to, like, emphasize on that. Yeah, well, I'm sure Carson Palmer is texting Joe Burrows like, hey, bro, it's not worth it. Get out. Get out. Get out. All right. So bye, football. Um, We don't really have any baseball to talk about because they're locked out. So let's just hit the match of the week. Yeah, I like that because there's always wrestling to talk about. Always wrestling to talk about. So this one, we're going to take you back to 2006 to the impact zone of TNA Slammiversary. And this is when TNA was still using the NWA tag team titles and the NWA championship. So the tag team champions, America's Most Wanted, James Cowboy James Storm and Wildcat Chris Harris being flanked by Gail Kim were the tag team champions. They had just turned heel to join Planet Jarrett, and they had a stranglehold on the division. They were big baby faces. They turned heel, and they were dastardly cheating, interference, getting themselves disqualified, and they were feuding with two of our favorite wrestlers, Christopher Daniels and the phenomenal AJ Styles, who were rivals but joined up. They kept getting outed by America's Most Wanted, so they went to Larry Zbysko, who was the head at the time, and they said, we want one more chance at those tag titles. And so here we are. Yeah, and uh, I liked this match. I always like it when um, we get the, uh, what is it, a six-sided ring? Yes, you know, which just gave it a little bit different flair. I know uh, in a recent interview, AJ Styles was saying how much he liked it and how it just made Impact a little bit different, or TNA at the time, I guess, right? Yeah. Um. So also pretty incredible that AJ Styles is still wrestling at the level he is now, considering this was 16 years ago Right. That this match took place. Um, and I'll be honest, Christopher Daniels, last time I saw him in the ring, he looked awesome too. Yep. Uh, Both those know. guys. But and talk about yeah. bump cards possibly being full. Yeah. And what's cool too is because all four of these guys were the reasons that I started watching Impact or TNA at the time more thoroughly because I remember AJ Styles was the first guy that I saw, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's awesome. Then I saw Christopher Daniels, the whole X division. Cool. And me as being a big fan of tag team wrestling was really stoked with America's most wanted because they were a good tag team. And what's funny is that when America's most wanted split up, and I think we've covered it. You can go in the archives when James Storm and Chris, Chris Harris had that Texas death match. Everyone, including myself, thought that Chris Harris was going to be the breakout star of the team. And he wasn't. He went to WWE and he kind of lost his footing from there. And James Storm is still on impact, still doing stuff, but not so much on a regular basis. Actually, I think he's on NWA. So never mind. But anyway, this match was great. 
Um, it was a barn burner from front to back. Gail Kim was neutralized. I don't remember what that chick's name was that took her out and carried her out of the match, but it was great. Um, America's Most Wanted tried some dastardly tactics. It backfired, and we saw a combination frog splash into a best moonsault ever to have brand new NWA tag team champions to knock off the eight-month stranglehold of America's Most Wanted. Yeah, it was really good. Definitely check it out. Um, you know, like I said, AJ Styles with the, the shortcut hair, little just they're so young. He's so right. Daniels is so young. It's crazy. Yeah, just great match. I suggest you check it out. You can check it out on YouTube or Impact Plus. Yes, indeed. Uh, moving this train along. What have you been watching other than wrestling this week? Well, we've been watching, continuing on Top Chef Portland. We're on Restaurant Wars, my favorite portion of the show. So um, I'm excited for that. We're all, I've been watching We're All Dead, the new zombie show that's on Netflix. It's a Korean-based show. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I did. I did. I mentioned it. Um, now I'm on episode three. Still really good. I like the storyline. And then we've been doing Jeopardy, OG Jeopardy, and College Tournament Jeopardy. So that's been cool to watch, and along with Wheel of Fortune, which Janine is very good at. So those are what the things we've been watching. <laughs> I, thought, I, I enjoy the game shows. I like watching them in the background. So it's been cool. What about you? Yeah, man. So uh, Betty Rebel found this show. It's from like 2013, 14. It's called Best Funeral Ever. And it's basically it's on this this app called Philo Philo. Well, we have that. Um, well, you should check it out because this is pretty hilarious. It's basically this like funeral home company that does these really extravagant and over the top and ridiculous funerals for people. The first episode I saw starts off with a family who's, you know, the mom of the family passed away and she was an avid bowler. So obviously the funeral is going to be at the bowling alley and to complete the funeral ceremony, they push the casket down the lane where <laughs> it breaks and a ball, she gets her final strike. It's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. And that's not the craziest one. It gets better from there. So it's pretty ridiculous. It reminds me of the innocence of the 2013s and 14s and the ridiculous, uh, you know, TV that was being made back then. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out. It's really funny. Um, this other one I'll just say is they wanted to do, they wanted to do like a wedding for dead people. So they ended up dressing the urns up and they walked the urns down the aisle and they did this whole thing. But it was really funny when they kept going to all these wedding uh, venues and asking these people like telling what, and they were just like, no, you can't do that here. We don't, as a wedding venue, we don't want to be associated with funerals. It was really fucking funny. That's odd. Yeah, very odd. Um, I have been a shill to the corporate masses, and we have been tuning into the Winter Olympics yeah. on NBC. Um, so it's been pretty interesting. It's always, you know, you don't, I never watch ski jumping or downhilling, uh, except for the Winter Olympics. So I get my four year fix and we'll, Wait until next time, but it's always good. We've got uh, no Bob Costas this time. Um, I think he's sitting out for uh, as a conscious, conscientious objector. Um, 
to the the overall um, propaganda that is the Olympics being in Beijing. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty cool to watch. Uh, I checked out. Uh, I think this is a show on Apple TV, but I'm I'm checking out the podcast version on Spotify. But it's the problem with John Stewart. Um, obviously, John Stewart, known for The Daily Show and uh, his tour de force role in Half Baked. Um, I've been meaning to check that out. Day. Like, is that good? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's not very long and it's funny, but it's still like, you know, it's social commentary. So. Like, if you're tired of hearing about Joe Rogan, don't go listen to it because he's probably going to talk about Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Type thing. It's like a current event show. Okay. Uh, um, but I like, you know, I think John Stewart's a sensible, intelligent guy. And, you know, can it's worth an hour, you know. For me, I think it is. I think it's pretty good. Um, and then this other one I've been watching is called Meat Eater. And it's on uh, YouTube. And then more recent seasons are on Netflix. And it's this guy, Steve Ranella, and it's basically all just about like he goes out and he hunts wild game and then he cooks it and eats it. And so it's pretty interesting to see all the different, you know, ways and things that he eats. And, you know, I think it's interesting to me because seeing how people can really remove themselves from commercial, the commercial food industry um so it's like you know it's you may not people may not agree with the act of going out like shooting a deer but in the context of where you get your food going out by yourself and hunting and shooting a deer versus going to the grocery store and getting ground beef like what's really what's really more inhumane you know and to me i think it's obviously going eating the ground ground beef because we've you know through documentaries or even if you've just driven up the five freeway you've seen harris ranch just the way that the commercial like beef industry processes and treats the animals but it's pretty interesting um i liked it i like it uh so yeah that's what i've been watching yep i agree with that too so wholeheartedly um yeah that's cool so good stuff watching but we're on to Another award-winning segment, which is Get Rid of One, and it is my turn this week. So in lieu of our happy trails to offsides and delay of game and the Super Bowl that was just this past Sunday, we're going to do a Get Rid of One Super Bowl halftime shows edition. And we've had some good ones and we've had some bad ones, but we're going to get rid of one of the good ones. And so, yeah, go ahead. These are all good. Yes, these are all very good. So I'm going to ask you, are we getting rid of Lady Gaga 2017 or Michael Jackson 1993 or going to recently in 2022 with Dr. Dre, Snoopy, 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige and Slim Shady or are we getting rid of Prince in 2007? So this one is probably one of the more, more difficult ones. Um, so obviously recency bias, I'm not getting rid of Dre Snoop, Mary J. Blige, Slim with special guest 50 Cent. 
Uh, I thought they did a really good job. I thought it was awesome. Was really good. Yeah. I thought everything about it was cool. I like Kendrick Lamar. I like how Kendrick Lamar's was so different from what everyone else was doing. So kind of each artist had their moment to shine in their own unique way. Right. Um, so definitely not getting rid of that one. I'm definitely not getting rid of Prince in 2007 when he literally played Purple Rain in the rain with a phallic shaped guitar. Right. Um, and Prince is just fucking awesome. Like, yes. So I'm not getting rid of that. So then it comes down to Lady Gaga 2017 or Michael Jackson 93. And I'm going to have to get rid of Lady Gaga 2017 just because the Michael Jackson one in 93 was so iconic and really was the kind of advent of this really grandiose and new Super Bowl halftime show as this big production concert. I think he came out right. He came out in his um his like pseudo like army gear with the aviators and um you know it's just it's it's one of the uh one of the uh, iconic moments I think so I had to get rid of Gaga, although I really liked Lady Gaga's halftime show. So it was this was a tough one for me, but that's what I got to go with. Lady Gaga, you're out. Yeah, um, the Michael Jackson one, like you said, was like kind of the start of the big production. And I was rewatching some of it and you could barely even hear the music because the crowd was so uh, loud for it. And this is a Super Bowl with like you know, hundreds of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but like, you know, 60 K and yeah, that was this. And plus that was the third title that the Dallas Cowboys won. So that's always a good time. Um, as far as I'm going. Oh man, this is a tough one. I'm going to be controversial here and I'm going to get rid of Lady Gaga 2017. I, I have to agree with you. I was going to, I was going to get rid of Dr. Dre and Snoop and stuff like that, but that was just so well done. And then the fact too, that it kind of made some people mad. I thought I enjoyed that aspect of it too. So I, um, yeah, unfortunately Lady Gaga, you got to You got to get in the heave ho. Yeah. Sorry about your luck, Lady Gaga. Um, yeah, so they're all good, though. They are all excellent. Yeah. But it's just kind of funny because I was when I was looking at uh, pre pre-game show, uh, the pre-show featured the Rockettes Dance Company and also featured were uh, Glenn Frey and Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, that's 93. So they're definitely getting better with choosing. um Acts, but I guess maybe in 93, they, they were all super hot too. So Garth Brooks sang the national anthem. That's right. So, yeah. And as long know. as it can, um, and you know, like I said, as long as it triggers very sensitive, certain people out there, I'm all for that too. So that's always a good time. Oh yes. I heard that. Um, what did I read? Some, uh, Charlie Kirk. Yeah, that so, plebeian Charlie Kirk said it was like a sexual, sexual anarchy, anarchy. 
It's like, Which, wow, you've never, you've never seen a woman's shoulder blade in your life, huh? Well, also, it's like, can you define what that even means? Or did you just put two words that are meant to scare the, you know, the white Protestants that you're, the white evangelicals you're trying to bilk out of their money? Yeah. Sexual, you know? Like, I don't like sex and I don't know what anarchy is. It's scary to me. Serious. <laughs> Go put your Oakleys on and take a hike. You fucking I know, creep. like. It's not, trust me, it was, it's, yeah. Before we move on to the next topic, I just want to tell a funny story about Charlie Kirk. So you know who Ben Glebe is? Yeah. Yeah, he does the idiot test and then um, he fills in on the Young Turks once in a while. So he was on Charlie Kirk's show and they were talking about abortion. And so he holds up a picture of a fetus and he goes, does this look like a human to you? Like a human fetus? And Charlie Kirk goes, yes, it is. And he goes, it's a dolphin fetus. And so like Charlie Kirk was just stunned on his own show, trying to talk himself backwards out of it. And Ben Glebe just fucking re- owned him big time. It was it. It should be shown every Christmas. It was just very magical. Yeah. And I do believe we did actually. Um, that was a cold open as a cold open. That's right. And I'm trying to find when it was because I'm pretty sure. We named the the um, episode. Uh, There's human babies in the aquarium. That's right. That's right. Uh, but yes, uh, he is an asshat, and he deserves to get owned. And saying that a halftime show of professional dancers that's on national television is sexual anarchy is just shows you where where the problems lie uh, with people on the right. Right. <laughs> right. All right. I'll do another segment we like is walkout music. It's what we're walking out to, what we're listening to, whatever you want to call it. We're giving you ideas of what we're listening to and what good music is. So don't bitch. Bobby, what are you coming out to? Yeah, man. Um, I am coming out to a song called Overstepping uh, by a band called Belmont. And it's off of the album Between You and Me. And uh, we can check it out right about now.
yeah, so I found again just another uh, delicious offering by the Spotify algorithm for me. Um, so I really like the opening riff. I just really like it's it's uh, it's just a cool, catchy song, earwormish for me. So really, really dig it. I was like overstepping. It makes me think of all those habitual line steppers out there, as Charlie Murphy would say. Yeah, this belt, this band Belmont, um, you know, they kind of are in this wheelhouse of this like kind of um, like like progressive kind of emo core-ish music that I I really like. So um, check it out. Check them out. And uh, that's what I'm coming out to. What are you what do you have on the docket? Well, Xander. As I'm going down the uh, rabbit hole of Japanese metal, I made a throwback to Crossfaith. They're a cool band that uh, was introduced to me by one of our buddies. Shout out to Tony Safechuck. Um, this song is called Diavolos, and it's pretty cool. Got electronic vibe, heavy, anthemic chorus, and catchy chorus, so you would like it. And enough out of me. You can just listen to this right here and right now. Yeah, that got has to get you going. I recommend if you're into stuff like that, check out their catalog. This will be on the uh, podcast notes as well, along with Bobby's pick. So make sure you check that out. Give them all a listen and make sure you're smashing all kinds of likes and follow buttons and on their stuff, on our stuff and everything in between that we pump on here. Yes, indeedy. But now we're in the ring. We've been working out with the uh, resistance bands to get a nice pump on. We're looking nice. Spray tan is good. And uh, what what are we talking about? What are we dealing with inside this ring? We're talking about something that seems to be pretty rampant, not just in wrestling, but in other stuff. But we're going to talk about it in wrestling. It's called nepotism in wrestling. And so, you know, I know a lot. There's a lot of wrestling families out there. A lot of people get pushed because of who they're fathers were or who's in the business before them and uh just taking it from there yeah yeah so i mean the obvious ones are like just currently we're seeing a lot of it right 
I mean, we just talked about, you know, Cody Rhodes from the Rhodes family. You can't, you know, the, both him and Dustin, especially probably more so Dustin. Um, I feel got some rub because of it. Uh, back when he was really, you know, gold dust and getting pushed pretty heavily on the WWF side. But I mean, it's even more than, I mean, obviously Braun Breaker, right? Um, Usos. Like, you know, you've got, you've got that whole family and, um, it's really, it's such, you know, it it just, it, it gives them such an advantage over people just trying to figure out a pathway to get themselves there by trying to go to some wrestling schools, trying to do some local promotions and try to get a tryout at the performance center, whatever may or may not be like, you know, most of these wrestling families, like the ass boys, they don't have to go through that, you know, and not always, but oftentimes it seems like they may not be as prepared, uh, you know, or have the same humility when they actually do get their opportunity. And that's not saying everybody like I think Ron Breaker's handled his his hot shot rocket to the top fairly well. Um, yeah. And a lot of them do. And the thing is, it, what's weird about it is like, yeah, they get their foot in the door and the, you know, Randy Orton just comes from a wrestling family and they just it seems like they don't have to pay as many dues as, say, someone that's fresh without a wrestling family and sometimes even i'm not saying it works all the time because we have your david san martinos or scott putskis that have strong wrestling backgrounds but just didn't really cut it or like your Bris- west briscoe and stuff like that or other times it can work against you because when you have someone like dusty Rhodes, who vince wasn't really a fan of and then you bring in his boys. I mean, Goldust, he was a, he was a special case because he Vince had that idea and Gold and Dustin Rhodes kind of wanted to carve a path for himself and he didn't want to be Dusty's kid. So, you know, when Vince came up with the idea of Goldust and he said he wanted to be androgynous, Dustin Rhodes has gone on record saying like he had to look up what androgynous meant, but I'm getting away from the topic. Um you get in easier, but you still have to kind of work at it that, you know, I'm not saying that nobody works, but you definitely get some like second and third and fourth and fifth chances like Randy Orton did when he was younger, because there were things that he did that people have gotten fired for less. And because they just saw the potential that he had and who he was, um, what pedigree he came from, he just got other chances. That's just how life works, not just wrestling, but that's just life in general. But a lot of these guys have done great. Like Orton is, is great. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Charlotte Flair, we're not fans of hers, but she's a good wrestler. But like you said, Braun Breaker has been killing it. But then you have people like Natty, who is Jim Neidhart's daughter, who's from the dungeon, who kind of has just been like, you know, fair to Midland her whole career, which, which isn't saying that it's been a bad career, but like, you know, that's where she's at. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now. You can't hear you. Um, it goes into the whole thing of like working against you. It can work against you in the fact that like if your dad's got heat or your family's got heat, it may create difficulties in breaking through. But also it works against you in the fact that it's like 
you know, you work against expectations that people have for you. Well, because you're such and such as kid, we expect you to be like this, wrestle a certain way, wrestle, have those skills. Like, you know, I feel in some ways Brian Pillman Jr. is a little bit, it's going to take him a while to find his own kind of character and and place because one he looks just like his freaking dad yeah you know and it's like you have to fight those expectations that people have and i think also like you said you if you know that you have a spot maybe you can you're more comfortable just cruising you know like you're not going to be part of the cuts yeah you're not going to main event wrestlemania but you're getting a good paycheck. You're getting to travel around. You still are going to the meet and greets. You got 30,000 followers on your Twitter. You know, so it's like because you have the right last name or you're from the right family, it allows maybe you not to have to strive as hard to get to that next level or really fulfill your potential. So, yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's part of it, too. And I think lastly, um, and maybe we're going to start seeing a little bit less of it, but wrestling has been so consolidated and so insular. Like the power has really been with a few main families, like the Von Erics, for instance, you know, and then, and even like, it wasn't that long ago that they were still doing territories. Right. And there's still those families and those people who have considerable power in professional wrestling. So if you're a member of those, you still have this like power structure that you can rely on to kind of give you the opportunities. Yeah. And the thing is people have to remember because if they want to call nepotism, like, you know, with Charlotte and her getting her push, I keep going back to her because that's like the most recent one or same with even reigns. It's like, yeah, they had, they had an easy pathway to get in, but then they perform. It's not like, it's not like they're just cruising along, you know, they're, they're big names. They're, they work a high quality of match, a high pace. So you know, it's, it's deserved. We may not like it, but it's not like someone's just like flat and not doing the proper things. And the thing is, you still have to work at it, whether you want to cruise or not, that's up to you. And cause we've seen people like, you know, like the aforementioned Wes Briscoe or Eric Watts who have like a big, strong pedigree and they just couldn't wrestle their way out of a wet paper bag. So you still have to show them that you can do it while the expectations are there. Yeah. And Roman Reigns, uh, it wasn't smooth sailing to this, to to the head of the table. No, it wasn't. He had to win over the crowd and it didn't happen. Like it really didn't happen. Even as he was being strapped with the championship, like, well, look at The Rock, too. Like, when he first came out, he was getting booed out of arenas, and he had to make a change. And he comes from a wrestling background as well. Probably not as prestigious as some of the other ones that we mentioned, but still, like it just like I said, just because you get in doesn't mean you're going to stay in because wrestling is very fickle. And if you can't get over or if you can't work, then you're gone, regardless of what your name is. I mean, if I were David San Martino, I would never even step foot in a wrestling ring because Bruno San Martino is like a, like a living legend. That's what he was called. So, I mean, it's sometimes if your background, if your dad or your mom was that good at something, maybe take a different turn. It's like being Michael Jordan's kid playing basketball. I think his kid does play basketball, but, you know, those are huge shoes to fill. Yeah, definitely. And I think the last uh, the last part of this that I was thinking about is like, 
you, some of these people may not fulfill their potential because they really don't want to be doing it. Very you true. Know, you and have to can. love this to do it at a high level, because even if you're doing it at the highest level, it's not easy. The schedule is not easy. The bumps are real. You're going to get, you know, you're not always in control of the storyline or your characters, and you're never really in control of how the crowd's going to react and where that takes you. So, you know, in the end, it is a, you got to pay, you got to perform. And we can't top that. No, but we always do perform. And on that note, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we'll see you next time. Booyakasha. Thank you.